I'm Camille Hardman and I'm one of the directors and producers on Still Working 9 to 5. Hi, my name is Gary Lane, and I'm one of the co-directors and producers of Still Working 9 to 5. And my name is Larry Lane, and I'm the executive producer of Still Working 9 to 5. And, and we are the next, next guests on On Screen and, and Beyond. Beyond. Stereo surround sound, no charge. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. You have hopped aboard On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is episode 595 of the show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, we have not one, not two, but three filmmakers who have joined us here on On Screen and Beyond. They are the filmmakers of Still Working 9 to 5, which is a documentary that uh, looks at the movie 9 to 5. Of course, that was with Dolly Parton and Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda and just so many other great actors and actresses in there. And uh, But the filmmakers are going to be joining us. It's Camille Hardman. Gary Lane and Larry Lane, and they're going to be joining us to talk about that film. A lot of buzz about this movie, and you, uh, I, I had the opportunity to see it. It's a, it's an excellent film. It takes us back to, uh, way back to the movie 9 to 5, and, you know, it's still, it's funny how uh, it's still so prevalent today, you know, just things that are going on and everything. And uh, if you get a chance, be sure to check it out. And it's floating around. We'll get more information on that from Camille, Gary, and Larry when they come our way in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. So get ready for that. Still working 9 to 5. Keep a lookout for it. And on this episode of On Screen and Beyond, uh, we also have some remakes and sequels and a lot of different stuff coming our way. So uh, we will uh, get into that. And I want to remind you that if you have a chance, tell a friend about On Screen and Beyond. And turn around, and if you are listening on any of the podcast providers, you know, leave a five-star review would be great. And if you could, uh, you know, leave a you know, little review written and uh, tell people if you enjoy it, uh, we'd appreciate that. Help us out. Well, what do you say? Let's get right into it. It is time for Remake Madness right here on On Screen and Beyond. Remake Madness, well, the remake of Salem's Lot, Stephen King book, of course, is now set for a release of September 9th, and, you know, I mean, that, that can always change. Things seem to be bouncing around, but that's when that's coming our way. It's going to, the first one, I loved it, and I hope you'll, uh, you know, check this one out, too. Hopefully, it'll, it'll do a good job with it. And uh, another scary little thing coming our way, not quite the same type of thing, but uh, the Haunted Mansion remake from Disney is in the works, and it is still looking at a March 10th, 2023 release date. And the Color Purple remake is heading for a December 20th, 2023 release. That's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies. 
Upcoming new movies, a new Netflix film called Rebel Moon is in the works. It's a sci-fi movie which will star Carrie Elwise, and it's a Zack Snyder film. And Laura Dern and Liam Hemsworth will star in a new Netflix romance called Lonely Planet, and an action comedy starring John Senna will be called Officer Exchange, and it's in the works for Amazon Studios. And that's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, sequels. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sequels! It looks like Axel Foley will return in Beverly Hills Cop 4, and Eddie Murphy will star once again as Axel, and the movie will be on Netflix. And Captain Marvel 2 is currently on track for a 2023 release, and a sequel to Chicken Run from 2000, remember that one, is currently being made. It's called Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget. Look for that in 2023. And that's it for sequels. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD. TV on DVD, it looks like La Brea Season 1 arrives on DVD on June 7th, April 19th. Nova Ancient Mayan Metropolis comes to DVD, and The Boys Season 1 and 2 lands on Blu-ray and DVD on May 17th. That's it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what do you say we take a peek at what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD? Movies on DVD, Spider-Man No Way Home will be swinging on to 4K. Blu-ray and DVD on April 12th. Moonfall falls on to 4K Blu-ray and DVD on April 26th. And on May 10th, you can look for Uncharted on 4K Blu-ray and DVD. And that's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it is TV and Entertainment Time right here on On Screen and Beyond. <laughs> TV and Entertainment Time. Well, it looks like a new Game of Thrones series called House of the Dragon will arrive in August. And SWAT has been renewed for Season 6 on CBS. And Dancing with the Stars? Leaving ABC and heading over to Disney Plus this fall. And sadly, this past week, singer Bobby Rydell, teen idol and one of the stars of Bye Bye Birdie, has died at the age of 79. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond... Well, we have the filmmakers from the documentary Still Working 9 to 5, and it takes a look at the, the fantastic film 9 to 5, which we all loved with Dolly Parton and uh, Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. And we have the filmmakers of that. We have Camille Hardman and Gary Lane and Larry Lane, and they're coming up next right here on On Screen and Beyond.
Joining us today on On Screen and Beyond is a trio of filmmakers who have a new documentary out that premiered at South by Southwest recently, and it's called Still Working 9 to 5. It's Camille Hardman, Gary Lane, and Larry Lane. Camille, Gary, Larry, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Hi, Brian. Very nice. Hello, to thank meet you, you so much. Now, first off, I want to get it perfectly clear. I am a big fan of nine to five, the, the, the movie, the original. But when I saw this, I said, oh, I got to get these people on. <laughs> this is... <laughs> but how did you come up with the idea of making a documentary about still working, uh, you know, still working nine to five? Well, actually, I'll start, Ryan. Um, me and my brother, we've always been fans of nine to five. And so uh, in 2018 is when they really started Jane and Lily and Dolly. They started saying, you know, everybody's wanted a sequel. So we'll throw our names in the ring. We'll do a sequel. Um, and so I was just kind of talking to my brother. And I was like, well, it's been a movie. It's been a song. It's been a TV show. It's been a musical. Now nine to five is going to be a sequel with all the originals. So that was the initial idea is to kind of just try to document all the amazing, you know, life of nine to five. And then through our friendship with Camille being a documentary filmmaker, she really kind of dove in there and she found out that there was like a nine to five organization and that Jane was friends with the woman who ran the organization in Boston in 1973. And hearing all the issues, Jane wanted to make a movie about us. So there was a whole movement behind the movie. So we kind of say that when uh, the feminism with Camille met the fandom with me and Larry, it kind of led us to the, the film that we've made four years later where we are today. And I, I was amazed. I mean, every time I watch a documentary, it, it, I learn something. And I didn't know that there was a nine to five group out there. Uh, and, and and so many things on the film. I mean, I enjoyed it very much. I, I want to tell you that, too, uh, watching your, your, your film. And um, it's uh, it was you just learn so much when you watch these things. Yes. Uh, I, I mean, I documentaries are, uh, you know, are always informative. And, and one of the things that we wanted to make sure with our documentaries that it was also entertaining because we knew that we potentially had a very wide audience with Dolly Parton's uh, fandom and, and people that followed her and also Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. So we wanted to you know, show the history of nine to five, but all the history of the film, but also of the movement that the film came from. And then also show, you know, the some of the behind the scenes in the film, but also show, you know, what has happened in the 40 years since the film was released and how relevant it is today. And a lot of the issues that were shown in nine to five in 1980 was still relevant today in, in nine, you know, in 2022. Yeah. It, and now I presume all of you are fans of nine, to, the original nine to five. Uh, we, me and my brother, we definitely are. We always have a memory of that film. And it's one of those films that no matter if you're channel surfing, no matter where you turn around and you come up on it playing on the on the channel, you sit there and watch the rest of the movie because it's just like a, a fun movie. But it, it is kind of interesting, Camille says, they had a lot of laughter. And, you know, when we interviewed Lily and Jane and Dolly for this documentary, they said, you know, they told us to emphasize that it was a comedy when they were promoting it back in 1980 because it did try to shine a light on a lot of the working women's issues. So 
you know, but we have been fans of nine to five and it really tried to make some change back in 1980. And unfortunately, sad for society today, it, it didn't make a lot of change because those uh, most of those issues are still there. Well, I got to tell you that the first time I saw the, saw the three of you, I said to myself in the back of my mind, I thought, okay, so they they weren't there when the movie came out, but they're you know they became fans because you all look young. So. Well, that's very flattering. Uh, <laughs> um, I I was uh, no, I was eleven actually. So I I. Re- I remember bits and pieces. I, I mean, I was in Australia at the time, but I do remember there was a lot of people talking about whether Dolly Parton was going to be a good actress or not. I do remember that in the in the back of my that was a, a big conversation that was going on, and I remember a lot of people being surprised that Dolly could act. And it was a Sunday night movie on TV. I didn't see it at the at the movies, but I remember seeing it many years ago. Um, as a Sunday night movie and you know we all loved it it was you know really really fun and exciting it was only years later that I realized that it really did have a social message underlying you know the entire film Um, you know when I was 11 of course that that didn't sort of I didn't I didn't see that I only saw the fun side to it but it did have you know it did talk about some very serious issues which we know were sexual harassment uh, you know equal pay lack of promotions and you know no childcare, which is still very prevalent today in American workplaces mm-hmm. yeah now in the film there was talk at different points that they were talking about uh, you know, Dabney Coleman, well, maybe we'll put somebody else in there, somebody with a little more, uh, you know, like Steve Martin or somebody like that. And uh, and then, you know, there was a, the chance that Lily Tomlin wasn't going to be in and all that stuff. But I sit here and I think I couldn't picture anybody else doing these roles. Oh, absolutely. You know, Dabney Coleman, the funny thing with that, um, Dabney had already booked, a, a, they had written a special role for him in Private Benjamin. So he already had that book and he, he had gone in for, you know, the part of Mr. Hart and nine to five around the same time. And he told his agent, I want to pass on Private Benjamin because I know I'm going to get that. I'm going to get Mr. Hart and I'm really supposed to play that role. So he went, he held out and it made his agent so mad. But he said, I knew I was supposed to play Mr. Hart. And we can't imagine anybody in that role. And then a lot of people didn't realize that, first of all, Lily turned it down. And then she actually got on and she hated the dailies. And to this day, because of that, she won't look at the dailies. But then she wanted Bruce to let her out on the first day. So we've got a lot of fun stuff in there for the fans and the people that love 9 to 5. But we've also got a great message about women's rights. And we've got an underlying message. We want to teach people and a call to action. Yeah. And um, I noticed at the end of toward the end of the film there, Congress still hasn't passed the law. Yeah, they haven't. I mean, what they need to do first is um, rescind the deadline uh, because there was a deadline put back in, uh, you know, in the 19th, or it's actually 1982 um, was when it ran out. And, you know, the timing for for three-fourths of the states or 38 states had to uh, ratify the ERA. So, if they do that, then the then the 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 it will pass because it already they've now got 38 states, Virginia, 
was the last state to ratify. So if Congress rescinds that deadline, we will have ratification of the ERA. I, I don't know. It just blows me away when I hear things like that. It's like, you know, what are we back in the 1920s or, or, or you know, what, what is this? Well, we're, we're coming up July, uh, actually July 21st will be the 99 year anniversary of when Alice Paul first created the Equal Rights Amendment. So it's almost been 99 years they've been trying to push it through. So that tells you how how back we are how far back we are wow i mean i mean i know i know <laughs> i don't want to get political but i know <laughs> the government seems to move very 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 slowly <laughs> yeah. well we, 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 we go ahead camille i was going to say the other thing interesting to me uh, and not to get too political either that is that alice paul was a, a a republican so you know if both the republicans and democrats can get together to you know, rescind the deadline and pass this for, you know, women across the board, that would be amazing. Yeah. And I, I will also say because of uh, Zoe Nicholson and Lily Ledbetter and different really activists, you know, women activists we have that are featured in this film, um, we do know what's going on in Congress. We do know that in the House part of the bill that it the deadline has been struck down so then we all know that now it is sitting in the senate and we all without saying his name we know whose desk it is sitting on uh where it will probably remain for a while waiting to be struck down if they would just strike it down in the senate then the bill would go would be passed and the equal rights amendment would be passed in the law hmm. wow it, it's just incredible uh, uh you know it just <laughs> it boggles the mind how that's can, how things like this can go on yes when did you first start with this movie i know making a, any kind of film is a long process and a lot, a lot of people think that it's well okay we're just you know one day you come up with the idea the next day you film it and then you know two three weeks later or months later you're done but uh, actually how long did it take you to do this um, I think we first started talking about it. I think it was in June or July 2018. And our first interview was in October 2018, where we all flew out to Washington to interview uh, one of the founders of 9 to 5, the National uh, Organization of Office Workers, which was Karen Nosbaum. So she really started off all the interviews and and then not long after that, um, in the beginning of 2019, we interviewed Dolly. And then and then everybody said yes. Ah, okay. So that that was Thanks, my next Dolly. Thanks, Dolly. <laughs> <laughs> that was my next question. How did you get all these fascinating people all, you know, to be in your film? Because it's it's not easy. Well, Steve Summers, he's an executive producer as well, like myself, but he is Dolly's creative director. And we went to him a couple of times. We're like, Steve, we really want you to do this. We think it's a great idea. And he finally said yes. And he said, well, what I think we need to do is let me talk to Dolly. I think if I can get Dolly to sit down with you guys, then a lot of the other ones, the other ladies and probably Dabney, everybody else will come. And that's exactly what happened. So right after Karen, we got a couple more interviews. And then in February, we got Dolly to sit down with us. Uh, now, have, uh, Gary and Larry, you uh, had been associated with her in the past with the documentary you did. Is that correct? Yes. And two, uh, 10 years ago, 2011, we actually did a documentary called Hollywood to Dollywood 
where we did like a cross country journey. We had written a script to give her the script. She let us use 15 of her songs uh, in that documentary and it went all over the world. We won like 25 you know, documentary awards for that. So that did help uh, with this project and her, you know, I think trusting our judgment, of course, having Steve be involved on the executive producer level. And a lot of people, if they're nine to five fans, you should really thank Steve Summers because uh, we were actually having a producer meeting in Nashville and uh, Steve Summers was there along with Shane McAnally, who is another one of our executive producers and he's on Songland and he's just a really talented artist. He's won a lot of Grammys, but Steve said to Shane, can you do something different with nine to five, just make it, you know, a completely different arrangement. And so three months later, Shane came back with this slow and haunting arrangement. And, you know, there was a girl's voice on the demo that just kind of blew our minds. And we were told that when they played it to Dolly, that she squealed. She absolutely loved it. Cause I think it would be like that moment of when she first heard Whitney's, I will always love you. She just said it just wasn't her song. It was just a completely reimagined version of nine to five. So we got a call three days later from Steve Summers and we joke about it. He said, are, are you guys sitting down? And we're like, well, we are now. And he said, uh, well, Dolly has had a spiritual awakening. And then he paused and we were like, I don't know what the hell that means, but hopefully it's good. And he said that Dolly had played the song over and over and she just had an awakening that it was supposed to be a duet. She knew exactly what she wanted to do to make it a duet. And then after that happened, then we got Kelly Clarkson involved. So now we have a brand new nine to five duet that is created, especially for our project that features Dolly and Kelly's amazing vocals in it. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. I, all right. No, you can't just leave us there. How did you get Kelly Clarkson involved with this thing? <laughs> well, Kelly Clarkson, uh, Shane McAnally, he's, he's been friends with her for a long time. They're both from Texas. So we really were kicking around whose voice is going to be on this. And it's a very haunting. It's not like the nine to five optimistic bubbly song that right. everybody knows. We're like, whose voice is going to bring this to life with Dolly and really put the angst of the song in the words. And we all agree. Kelly and Shane asked Kelly and Kelly, you know, I, I heard she just about fell over because she loves Dolly as much as everybody else. And so now she's on this amazing track with, uh, Dolly and I think Kelly's already been Kelly Clarkson show they had Dolly on talking about her book a few weeks ago and she goes and we got to redo nine to five together and, and Dolly was like well I think it's going to be a hit for us and Kelly said and it's amazing in the new documentary still working nine to five so as filmmakers you know we were ready to pass out in that moment you just can't ask for things like that to happen oh yeah geez and, and listening to the song which just so people know that it is on in the documentary and uh, they, they don't want to miss that. Uh, but um, it, it's, you know, Kelly's singing and then you have Dolly with that haunting, you know, nine to five. Like I can't sing, so I'm not going to sing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, you know, how she does that, it's like, wow, this is, this is scary. <laughs> you know, I mean, not that it's a scary we, song, but it's, it's, it's yeah, really we played it for Leslie Jordan. He said, I've never heard Dolly sound like that. So Leslie Jordan loved it. Mm, wow. It's uh, yeah, it, it's just, I mean, the three of you really came up with something really fantastic. Can I, can I ask you, what did you like about it? Well, for one thing, like you say, I learned something when I watched documentary. So it's, uh, you know, that, I enjoyed and I enjoyed the original movie. So seeing 
the people come back and talk about it. I, I can listen to people. That's what my whole show is about. I've been doing it, you know, 15 years now and having uh, the celebrities from old TV shows and old movies. Uh, and, and I could listen to their stories for, you know, for hours. And uh, this is exactly what, uh, what I enjoy. So uh, it's, and, and then, like you say, the, the song at the end was just like the, the, the cherry on top. Brian, you just got Camille. She was our secret weapon because she interviewed Dolly and Jane and Lily and everybody. She's amazing at the interview process. So we were so um, uh, you know happy with everything she was able to get out of all those amazing actresses and actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I got to ask you: Is Dolly and Lily and Jane uh, what we see? I mean, they, they Dolly seems so nice. Yeah, she's a sweetheart. And the other thing she's so, which no one would be surprised at this, is she's so incredibly professional. And, you know, she was, she wanted the the questions in advance so she could answer, make sure that she had answers to everything. And then when we gave them to her, she came even 15 minutes earlier because she was a little bit concerned that she wouldn't have enough time to answer everything. I mean, that's how incredible she is. Wow. Yeah, she's, and, and she's just a sweetheart and, and really lovely and, you know, no ego, just a, a really warm person. And Lily is hilarious. Her and I laughed through the entire uh, interview and she just, I, you know, if Lily wasn't probably, you know, as famous, I'd be like, oh, my God, I could be friends with her because she's just... <laughs> hysterical and and we got on really really well and and Jane there was a very there was a a, a moment you know I was a, I was probably the most nervous about meeting Jane actually than than anybody and and Jane asked me a question it was it was I was putting on her microphone and she said to me um, you know, how do you feel about the fires? Because I don't know if you heard, you know, about a year and a half ago, we had really, really bad fires um, in Australia and about a billion animals were killed. Wow. And because she's doing a lot of stuff with Fire Drill Fridays and climate change, she'd asked me about those fires and I burst into tears. <laughs> I started sort of crying and she's like, oh, goodness me. Uh, But I think that was actually a a lovely moment between us that made it a lot easier for me to sit down and interview her. And she's such an incredible actress. I mean, you know, you you look at the things she's done and and I'm not going to go into all of them, but, you know, I I think of Barbarella uh, on Golden Pond and Nine to Five all completely different. I mean, they're not even close to being, you know, they're so different, but she pulls them all off like like nothing. Yeah, and the other two good ones she did was China Syndrome and, and yes. Coming Home. Yeah. They were two very good films. And Don't forget happened. Monster-in-Law, Camille. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yes. <laughs> but see, and they're Grace, so, all so different. Frankie, yeah, very different. Apparently her, her best performance, Bruce Gilbert, who was her business partner for a very long time, Set, um, set is The Doll Maker. And apparently that was an amazing performance and it was a TV movie. 
but no one has seen that in a very, very long time. But her performance in that is supposed to be really amazing. And, and I think Camille, in of- that, she played like a mountain woman. Yeah. So she actually went and stayed like a month with Dolly in the backwoods of Tennessee and really kind of immersed herself in the culture and the mountain people. And I know she had a really amazing time with Dolly on the preparation for that. She talks about it in a lot of interviews. Yeah, I, I was talking to Bruce yesterday, actually, and that came up and and he said Dolly was amazing because Dolly was our guide and he and and Dolly would just take them everywhere and show them, you know, where she came from and and just, you know, the the, the lifestyle of, you know, living in the mountains and how hard it was, actually. Yeah. Wow. It's it's just amazing. OK, now you have you've made your film. It's it's a fantastic film. You premiered it at South by Southwest. What do you do now? What's next? Oh, we actually, we've got a lot of things already um, in the works. We're doing a big um, festival in Palm Springs coming up next weekend. And then we got into Hot Docs, which is in Toronto at the end of April. So we're going to be on opening night. So people that want to follow our journey, we have um, www.stillworkingthenumber9to5.com. And we'll have other film festivals. We're looking for a streamer right now. So we'll have all the updates on that website. Great. Great. And um, so eventually, will we be able to see this beside festivals uh, on a, yep. a streaming service or? Absolutely. We are. Um, there's a lot of people that are interested in the film at the moment. And uh so, you know, they're talking to our agents and we're very excited to see who it's going to um, end up with. Hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And it's it's all, all of the big streamers, so no matter where we land, we will get a lot of eyes on the film because we want the fans, I mean, especially because, you know, we're an archival documentary. So we have over a thousand video clips and photos and things that people have just never seen that we had to get cleared for the film so we want to entertain and and give the fans what they want but then we also want to get this message out there for working women and that we still need change and so if we can give that message inside the fun package of nine to five and the fandom of having dolly lily jane and dabney sitting there talking about their fun times on the film and and then they also talk about why they, the film needed to be made. So, you know, we feel like we've created something that we want to get out to the masses. And we feel like we're going to find the right fit with the right streamer that's going to help us do that in the best way. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, people, if, if they can hit it at a festival, because the festivals are, uh, a lot of people don't get out to festivals, but they are so much fun and they should definitely see it. And if you're there, uh, they should go up to you and talk to you because that's the thing about a film festival is you can actually talk with some of the people, you know, if they happen to be at the festival and uh, uh, it, it, you know, it's just so much fun, but people, a lot of people don't do that route. They wait till it's on, you know, streamers or something or at the movies. Yeah. I, I always like the festivals too, because you never know what questions you're going to be asked at the end as well. And anybody can get up and ask us a question. Right. Um, and as you said, and, and then after the screening and the questionnaire, um, or the Q and A, uh, people can come up and ask us, you know, more personal questions. But it's always when you're standing on stage, you're always like, "Oh, what's what's the next random question going to be? And am fun. I going to be able to answer it?" <laughs> Which is fun. <laughs> Keeps yeah. you on your toes. Yes, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, 
now okay so you mentioned personal so now we're going to go into a, a little bit about you each individually uh as your careers uh you know how how did each of you decide that you wanted to be uh a filmmaker uh nope. I, I mine was very random actually um I was studying uh, physics and electronics at university. I was going to be an engineer. And I, uh, a friend of mine had a, was working with a documentary maker and asked me if I would, you know, just part-time, whether I would take over the job for a couple of weeks while she went away. And, uh, and then I introduced that person into the, you know, to the internet. And, and then he asked me to stay and it was very uncomfortable. I was like, oh, I don't know about this. And my friend said, no, 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 you, you stay. I'll end up doing, you know, I'll go and do something else. And then next thing he asked me if I wanted to basically travel around the world making animal documentaries and travel documentaries, which I did for many years. And, uh, and then I came over here. I, I was um, sponsored through the Australian government um, to come over and, and spend time working here with different producers. And um, I ended up creating two, sh two TV shows. Um, and one of them is in the sixth season called Restored. It's on DIY HGTV. And that's when, and I met Gary through my part, my business partner. And, um, and then Gary and Larry asked me if I wanted to be involved in the documentary. Hmm. Yeah. And, and then as far as, as far as we go, um, we grew up in North Carolina. So being identical twins, we had gone to Wilmington, North Carolina, where they were doing a lot of film sets. And we got on a show called Dawson's Creek and, uh, from there, we kind of went up to New York and we got in, you know, bit parts in various movies like Zoolander and and different things. So we got into the union there in New York and got in our SAG cards, which is not easy to do. Uh, and then we made the move to L.A. And out here in L.A., we did a lot of uh, commercials. We did Dr. Scholl's commercials. It was all like the twin stuff. We've always really mm -hmm. focused on the twin, you know, gimmick that we have. And, uh, you know, we did some fun things like winning twin Fear Factor. We won twin Wipeout. And those are kind of hard shows, but they helped us pay the rent because we won the $50,000 prizes. <laughs> um, and then we got into like, uh, you know, doing red carpet things. So we do twin interviews. It's called Twin Zone. Um, so we do those as well. And then I think the documentary world, when we got introduced to the documentary world, was when we had written this screenplay in 2010. And we came up with this idea to try to go cross country and try to give Dolly that script. And, you know, not knowing how the film was going to be received. And, you know, we played in 75 festivals all over the world. We played in Sydney. You know, we went everywhere with the film and we won 25 awards just to kind of get that recognition for the film. That kind of gave us, you know, a taste of the documentary world. But we never really revisited it because we've been doing our twin things and all that. But then when the nine to five idea came up, I was like, you know, it might be a chance to go back into the documentary world and you know and just kind of revisit what we tried to do with hollywood at hollywood and then luckily camille came on and steve summers came on and everybody amazing came on and dolly lily jane and dabney all wanted to interview with us and kelly wanted to get with dolly and do a new nine to five so four years ago we would have never thought that we'd be putting all this new nine to five you know ideas back we'd be adding to the nine to five story so we we basically have done that the only thing that can happen now is if the nine to five sequel was actually made and the equal rights amendment passed, then we would feel like 
we had really accomplished something with our documentary. Yeah, yeah. We brought out our own coffee as well, and it's called Get Your Own Damn Coffee. Still um, working nine to five. Yep, still working nine to five, get your own damn coffee. So, um, and, and we can find that on our website as well. Now, G- Gary and Larry, to be honest, I don't know if one of you have been talking through this whole interview or both of you, because I can't tell the difference between your voices. Camille, can you tell? Yeah, I can. Yeah, we've both been talking. Yeah. We've both been talking, but it's mainly been Gary. Yeah. Okay. But, but yeah. one question I have for you, is it true that you were the flag bearer in the Patriot, is that absolutely yes? Did, did that make <laughs> yes. the film, or was it cut? No, oh no, we're all in the film. Anywhere you see Chris Cooper in the film, because he was the general, we were the flag bearers, right to the right of him. So Larry had the regimental flag, and I had the American flag. But it's funny, we were in there as like soldiers, just like everybody else, and there were like two hundred soldiers. They called them the core soldiers. We all knew how to fire the muskets. They trained us how to load them and fire them. But then Roland Emmerich was walking around looking at the soldiers and he saw me and my brother were twins and he goes, I want to make them the flag bearers. And then he goes, oh, he goes, if I kill one of them, everyone will cry. So he that, was, he had what his he said. Head, and we were like, kill one of us. <laughs> um, but anyway, so then we had a really funny story with Mel Gibson because Mel Gibson had twin sons at the time. They're maybe five or six years younger than us. But, you know, everybody on the set, all the PAs, everybody, they said, you know, when Mel comes to set, don't bother Mel, don't talk to Mel, leave Mel alone. So everybody kind of knew that. So we had been filming for a certain amount of time. But then if you know the movie, when we're, you know, doing the blue coats and then there's a scene in the movie towards the end where the militia come and they join our ranks and that's Mel Gibson's, you know, team. So Mel Gibson is kind of filming down in front of us. He's laying on the ground and as we're holding the flags. So after we came back from lunch, me and Larry were walking back to where we were resetting and Mel just started walking towards us. And I said, Larry, Mel's coming towards us. Mel's coming towards us. And then Mel was in our face before we could do anything. He goes, hey guys, listen, I've got an idea. He, and he had these two packs of double mint gum. He said, he handed us the gum. He said, when Roland yells cut, the first time you guys start singing the double mint gum song, I know you know it because my boys know it. And then I'm going to get up and sing the gum song with you. So when he yelled cut, we all started singing a double pleasure. And Mel got up with us and Roland and the whole tent, you know, off to the tent seat, they all just busted out laughing. And then we got this really cool picture with Mel where we're all holding up the chewing gum. <laughs> so that was that was a fun story and that was just and then it was funny because I got to tell you this because it was a life lesson because a lot of our friends that were soldiers that we had been working with all the time after that lunch after that filming they didn't really talk to us they were kind of real short with us because we had had that thing with Mel and we told our mom and dad about that and our dad was like well he came up to you guys because he wanted to and it was just a life lesson that we can't control the fact we're twins. It's a blessing. And we always try to utilize it to the best, you know, best way possible. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And Brian, well, just so you know, it go, it would, Gary spoke, then Larry spoke, then Gary spoke. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're just about out of time. So I just want to finish up with one quick question for each of you. What's your favorite TV shows now and of the past and your favorite movies now and of the past? Um, I, I got to think you. for a second. <laughs> movie for me is going to be Titanic. I absolutely love that movie. I think show for Larry is definitely, I, I just love Game of Thrones. That was just one of the best shows ever. I was so into that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Game of Thrones is great. <laughs> you know, something very random when it came into my head. 
this is very rad. And it was, I was just thinking of when I was a kid, like, you know, it's something it just, your mind moves so fast. And my favourite show, I'm going to say when I was a kid, it was a TV show called Wurzel Gummidge and it was about a scarecrow. Um, but that's just what popped into my head. Uh, Breaking Bad, I would have to say, would be oh, yeah. one of my favourite uh, series. I think that was incredibly well done. Um, Game of Thrones, I think that was um, very good. Um, uh, Ten Feet Under, I think that was a, another great... Six Feet Under. Six feet, sorry, Six Feet Under. Um, it's another really good series. I, I mean, there's... if I had to throw it way back to like the old shows that we like, it would be probably The Facts of Life and Growing Pains. Mm-hmm. I yes. always like those shows. Yeah. Well, Camille, Gary, Larry, I thank you so much for taking the time to join us here. And uh, I highly recommend that people, if they have a chance to see it at a film festival, still working nine to five is, is going to be all over the place. And when it comes out on streaming, everybody can watch it. It's a great film. And I thank you all for sharing with us. Hey, Brian, thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. Much appreciated. And I want to thank Camille Hardman, Gary Lane, and Larry Lane for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. They are the filmmakers of Still Working 9 to 5. And uh, be sure to check that out if you get a chance to see it. It's a very informative. It takes you behind the scenes of the movie 9 to 5 with Dolly Parton, Jane Fonda, and Lily Tomlin. It's a great film. You want to check that out. It's getting a lot of buzz, and uh, you should check it out. Well... It seems like things are just flying by. Here we are at number 595 of On Screen and Beyond, heading towards 600. And uh, at different episodes we've had over the years, for the past 15 years. And uh, we appreciate you listening all the time. And hopefully you are telling your friends about it and letting them enjoy all the different fascinating people we've had. And everybody from Bob Barker and uh, just so many. We, we just have, you know, like I say, over 595 guests here. It's hard to believe that uh, so many people have... Uh, been so gracious to come on the show and talk to us and let us know about their careers and all the films they've done the books and the music they've made and everything so we hope you keep listening and you can go back into our back catalogs of our reruns and you can listen to all of these they're on all the major podcast providers whether it's apple or podbeam or stitcher or amazon music or Wherever you pick up your podcast, we're probably there. And, uh, of course, all the major ones. So uh, be sure to check that out. And, uh, you know, we appreciate it. If you get a chance, go to Podcast Magazine and uh, go to Hut 50 and vote for On Screen and Beyond. We uh, keep seem to, I don't know how we came up on there, but uh, we, <laughs> we are. And uh, people are moving us up the charts. We're, I think they said we were at 23 for this past month. And we hope to get up further, so uh, be sure to check that out and vote for us. And you can vote every day on that, so we appreciate that. Well, that's it. That's a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. And we've got some more guests coming your way next week. And uh, we also are having, like I said, a lot of the people from the CroftCon, which is coming up on May 21st. Be sure to be checking that out. And we have a guest from that next episode of On Screen and Beyond. So, uh, and uh, we just get the, you know so many fun people that are, are continuing to come to On Screen and Beyond. So uh, until next time, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. Uh-huh.